Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm stressed. I'm Tasha. We are on season five, episode 21, Criminal. I really wanted you to do this guy's accent. <laughs> Which guy's accent? The flower vendor guy. He's like, I move the flowers over here and then I bring them over there and then I bring them back every day. And the tape is like, yeah, that kind I of hate it when we start the episode and you're like opening scene. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to interrupt you really quick. So I didn't <laughs> do anything for the first scene. But I was like, oh, this, oh. Guy, this guy. I know. I know. I loved him. So he's fucking talking to a horse cop, which we haven't seen in a while. So this flower vendor is talking to the cop about a crime scene that's been left taped up in the park for over a week and he's apparently not getting enough marigold sales because of it i don't know <laughs> he's like how am i gonna sell my flowers when there's tape i'm like how are you gonna sell your flowers period is what i want to know but whatever who's walking through the park going off to get my daily marigolds <laughs> the officer calls over the radio to dispatch about the crime scene but he's told that one doesn't exist at that location like they're standing around this thing that's got yellow tape and it's just been left abandoned. And so the cop's like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, crime scene. Yeah, let's check in on what they're doing here. So no crime has been reported there. Ooh. So the music gets all swelly, of course. Pause. Are we making T-shirts or what? We've had more what? requests about swelly shit than anything oh, what recently. What was the swelly T-shirt thing? There's just been a couple of people asking, can you make the music gets all swelly merch? Sure. We could just make a shirt that literally just says quotations and the music gets all swelly dot 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 end quote. And then yeah, just have that. That's what I'm thinking, too. It's so niche. It's like I, I don't even know how to make a drawing of a music getting swelly without involving a dick. <laughs> like there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing to do. You know, you know what it should be? It should be in like screenwriting font in italics. Mm. Like a stage direction, you know? Yeah, totally. That works. Yeah. So the cop gets off the horse and goes into the crime scene. It's, you know, it's a pretty big crime scene, but literally two seconds in, he just kneels down randomly and starts brushing off leaves <laughs> and yeah. finds the legs of a body, which I was like, oh, what? The legs of a body. <laughs> the legs of a chair. They were like, <gasps> <laughs> oh my God. No. Okay, so... A stabler comes to the crime scene. Oh, my God. CSU Judy is wearing her own little fun hat. You know how they always like you'll see Stabler come in with a cute little beanie or like a little. She's mm -hmm. wearing this cute little beret. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah. Hats. They're not just for men anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so CSU Judy says the scene is stone cold. The killer went out of his way to screw us on this one. Stabler says he's never seen a perp section off his own crime scene before. Judy says there are a ton of places you can buy crime scene tape. He's, she's like, my 14-year-old has it over his door because he's a classic teenager trope or whatever. Yeah. You know the cover of Scarface? Have you seen it? <laughs> Judy says that they have not found an ID for the victim yet. There's cum socks everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time I try to do his laundry, I break a blanket in half. <laughs> I can't watch TV without my <laughs> husband trying to enter me. <laughs> Stabler walks over to Coroner Warner and Benson. It looks like the victim was strangled and possibly raped, but the body's been there for a while, so Coroner Warner will have to do an autopsy first. Benson says the perp must have known what they were doing because they clipped the victim's fingernails after he killed her. And Stabler's like, how the fuck do you know she didn't do it? Coroner Warner says that her toes are a fresh pedicure and they haven't been clipped and the fingernails match, but they have been clipped. Benson says no woman would cut their nails straight after a manicure. I hate 
see how she uses, remember the perfume thing? She's like, women notice this stuff. I'm like, yeah. fuck off. Yeah. Like I would it's never. It's like a good cop would notice that stuff. Yeah. Right? Also, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't notice it and I get my nails done all the time. Or like, well, the perfume thing. No, she wears sandalwood and fucking bergamot. Bringham or okay. bergamot. And I was like, what? Oh, I know. I kind of get a little draggy. Lilies and roses. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> The perp knew his crime scene tape and his forensics. Benson and Stabler think the perp might be a cop. Theme song. Uh-oh, 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 a cop. Uh-oh, no. I'll have to cut out Gabe saying he can a bunch. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Benny's at Corner Warner's office. Corner Warner calls the perp an insider because they know way too much about the crime scene. No fluids, no hairs, or prints were found. Mm -hmm. And Benny's like, so you've got nothing. Like, annoyed with her. And Corner Warner's like, I didn't say that, you bitch. Welcome to the house of discovery, honey. I'm the one who finds everything that gives you a lead. Yeah. Patience, my child. Right. Corner Warner thinks the perp held something over the victim's mouth while they grabbed her neck because she found a fiber in the victim's trachea. The fiber was probably inhaled when she was killed and maybe from a raincoat or a pair of gloves. It's like an oil covered cotton or something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I forgot. And I didn't want to rewind. I didn't want to press the 10 second button. Can you tell we need a break? <laughs> the perp strangled the victim with his left hand, used a condom when he raped her, and then rubbed her with alcohol and douched her to get rid of the evidence. Fucking psycho. Mm -hmm. But... He left a small piece of latex with a tear in the victim because the condom broke. The fragment was matched to a brand called, quote, Twisted Desire. They come up with the fucking weirdest condom names yeah. on SVU. I know. Slick Dick Rick. Mm, I know that like brand. Teen, teen Dream or whatever the fuck. Whenever it's Ew. like a fucking teacher. It's fucking gross. Oh, yeah. And they always do it like Twisted Desire. Like, this is a fucked up crime. Whoa, what a apt fucking brand name to use. <laughs> Super tiny dick finger condoms. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, then there's one criminal that like grabs a brand that would throw them off. <laughs> Just like the <laughs> name. <laughs> right. It's like, this guy can't be from the inner city. He uses farm horse cock condoms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it's like suburban. <laughs> suburban. <laughs> suburban missionary. <laughs> and it could be two different ways of missionary. Okay. <laughs> Oh, we thought he meant outside of the city, but get it? Suburban missionary? He's a Mormon with a truck? <laughs> We're good cops. You know who would figure that out, Munch? <laughs> no, dude. This is a total toots jumps in in a gimp suit fucking thing. He's like, oh, I know something about this brand. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh, look at me. I just live in this trunk over here. <laughs> So this freaking perp knew how to clean up after himself. Stabler comes in. They were able to get a match on the Vic's fingerprints. She had been arrested last year on obstruction. Her name is Rebecca Wheeler. Her name is Robert Rebecca Paulson. Wheeler. Uh, Rebecca yeah. Wheeler. <laughs> Benson leaves to call Craig in because he's going to be foaming at the mouth if it's a fucking cop. That's the perp. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's going to be like, we got to get ahead of this. We got to call the brass. We got to get that pretzel liquor. <laughs> <laughs> get that pretzel liquor on the horn. <laughs> Corner Warner tells Stabler she thinks the time of death was a week before. She ate right before she was killed because she has undigested sushi in her stomach. If they can find out when she ate dinner, they'll know when she died. Yes. 
Now the whole gang's poking around the apartment of Rebecca Wheeler. Stabler found takeout containers and a receipt from a sushi restaurant from last Friday night. We recommend anything but the Wisconsin roll. <laughs> Stabler tells Craigan she had spent 42 bucks on sushi. Craigan's like, that's a lot of sushi for one person. Um, is excuse it? Excuse me? It most <laughs> absolutely like, could... is not, sir. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. They're guessing she had a guest. Either way. But like, rude. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. When we go to sushi, mm -hmm. we spend at least 80 bucks plus tip. Yeah. There was no sign of forced entry, so she could have been on a date with her killer. So she's got posters and papers and all kinds of stuff on a wall about stopping police brutality and fighting against legal system injustices. Huang thinks Rebecca could have pissed off some law enforcement people. All the details of the case point to someone who knows the behind the scenes of forensics. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Benson finds a turkey baster in the bathroom, and it could have been what was used to erase some evidence. Stabler asks why the perp didn't just dump the body in the river and let the water wash away the evidence. Huang thinks it's because the perp cared about the victim. He laid her gently in the park, covered her with leaves. The police tape may be the perp sending current SVU a message. Benson thinks it could be someone who failed police academy or maybe a disgraced ex-cop. Just then, Stabler finds information on Rebecca graduate program she was in. She was taking a fucking criminology class at Wallace University, the arch rival of Hudson University, by the mm. way. Maybe the perp is a classmate. They got to go check with her professor. So Benny and Stabes go to chat with her professor. This dude is in so many cop shows. The only thing I recognize him from, though, is Orange is the New Black. Mm. He tells them that everyone loved Rebecca. She spent a lot of time researching for her thesis. Her arrest for obstruction had actually happened when she was interviewing a subject who was an ex-con. She just happened to get caught up in a drug sweep that happened at the same time. The professor starts telling them more about her thesis which was about convict reentry, how most ex-cons wind up back in prison because of a system that sets them up to fail. And smug little copy cop Stabes goes, yeah, how so? Mm. I know. So this professor has a lot to say on the subject, okay? And he is correct. He's giving stats. He's giving, he's giving mm -hmm. knowledge, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, this back and forth could go on for fucking decades. Oh, wait, it has. Mm -hmm. They ask if any centuries, if you know, centuries, yeah. if, if you will, if you will, if you will, we will. We have. Continue. They ask mm -hmm. if any ex-cons she deals with are sex offenders. He says most sex offenders can't be rehabilitated. And Rebecca focused on, quote unquote, screw ups wanting to turn their lives around, which were usually mm -hmm. addicts that she helped with their sobriety. Mm -hmm. So the short answer is no. Rebecca's professor tells the detectives that Kyle Lerman, Rebecca's thesis partner, could give them the contact info for all of these people, for all mm -hmm. of these ex-cons that Rebecca had been interviewing mm -hmm. and working with. At Wallace University, Benny and Stabes are talking to Kyle. This actor's name is Joe Town. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Joe Town. <laughs> it sounds like, it's, like, it's, like it sounds like an AI generated name. It's like <laughs> Chat GPT wrote this guy's name. What's your what's your stripper name? It's your first name and then <laughs> the town that you live in, and he just panics. He's like, Joe <laughs> Town. <laughs> He just doesn't, he doesn't get it. Joe Town. Joe, Joe Village. <laughs> Joe Municipality. They're like, no. Right. <laughs> Joe uh, Unincorporated. <laughs> They're like, dude, your name isn't even Joe. <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, Joe is my stage name. <laughs> They're like, gross. <laughs> 
like, I need something that stands out. Joe City, too big. Joe Town. <laughs> I don't shoot for the stars. I shoot for maybe 30,000 feet. <laughs> oh, Joe Town, here to mix things up. Moving and shaking, Joe Town. But at a, at a slower speed, you know. This isn't, this isn't Manhattan, after all. And they're like, actually, it is. It is Manhattan. I can't understand what you're saying. Take that piece of wheat out of your mouth. <laughs> He's wearing bib overalls and a straw hat with holes in it. He's barefoot in this lab. What is he doing? He's got a stick with a bindle. <laughs> There's a piece of bread in there and maybe a root beer. Root I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's got a can of beans that he's warming up over a fire. <laughs> a jug with three X's on it. <laughs> but it's not full of anything. It's for who, who, who. <laughs> That's how he mixes things up. You think it's an alcoholic <laughs> beverage, but it's a hoot jar. It's a hootin' jar. <laughs> it's a hootin' jar. That jug's for hootin'. <laughs> Mom, where's my hoot jug? <laughs> I gotta go to New York City. Where's my hootin' jug? It's back oh. in the tall grass, Joe. <laughs> Where everything else is. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it's back in the tall grass, Joe. <laughs> Joe Town. <laughs> Oh my god. Let's move the fuck on. Let's, this kid this is this guy's yeah. real name. This actor's real name is Joe Town. I I don't believe Jeremy had nothing to do with no, this. No, this is just a guy that we are dragging because we're cunts. Yeah, correct. Kyle. So his name in the show is Kyle Lerman. And Benny and Staves are talking to him. Kyle tells detectives that Rebecca had interviewed a lot of inmates from Sing Sing within six months of their release dates. He's talking to them pretty mm. judgmentally, which makes me not like him, which makes me not trust him, which makes him the murderer. Mm -hmm. I call that immediately. I didn't catch that. I hated how he spoke about, like, everything he said. I didn't catch it until the next time we talked mm -hmm. to him, yeah. Everything he said was in a condescending tone and also with condescending language. Mm -hmm. He called people struggling with addiction junkies and shit like that the way he talked about yeah. people that he was supposed to be helping apparently was he i know i'm like you're in the wrong thing he's like i just do the paperwork i can't deal with actually being in front of these other human beings yeah if you would call them that yeah, right he gives mm -hmm. benny a binder full of convicts ones yeah. that rebecca interviewed slash worked with and their current addresses kyle says he was at a department party the friday rebecca could have been killed he had to get a ride home because he was wasted man mm -hmm. he's like i had to be poured into bed they're gonna need the names of the people he was with because because they're good detectives and thorough. They ask if they can go through her desk and he's like, yeah, of course, I never touched it though. Mm -mm, not me, I'm saying that because I would never, not because I think you think I did. They call me Kyle, keeps his hands to himself, Lerman. Good old Joey, no touch townie. Remember Home Alone 2? <laughs> yeah, I hated the sticky bandits. <laughs> Kyle said there was this one guy who would tell her he loved her when she went to interview him at Sing Sing and tried to kiss her once. His name was Rudy Lemke. He shows a quick photo and I immediately know who he is. So we will find this out moving forward, but I'm just going to fill you in now. Fucking Rudy Lemke is played by Doug E. Doug. Are you not? Who's Doug E. Doug? Oh my God. So I know we all know him from Cool Runnings. The rapper? The 
Huh? No, he's an actor. No, Doug E. Doug. He's an actor slash comedian. We all know him from Cool Runnings. He was the guy who had the egg, who made the made up the songs. But I, I also love I loved this show that he was in from Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Oh my god. Well, so I originally saw him in this show that he was in that came out the same year that Cool Runnings did. It was called Where I Live in 1993. Uh-huh. He was like the comic relief of the show. He was so funny. He was also a long running character in Cosby in the nineties. And a bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. He's great. And he's great in this too. Now we're back at the precinct. The gang goes over what they found on the case. Rudy had been in Sing Sing for two years for burglary, assault, and possession with intent. He's been in and out of Sing Sing for the last 10 years. Rudy had Rebecca's fucking phone number so he could reach her at any time. Craigan says Rebecca wanted to take care of him like a stray cat. And I'm like, well, chill. Mm. Count Craigula says that it sounds like (laughs) Rebecca got... (laughs) You can't just slip it in. You can't just slip it in. That was my nickname in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Count Craigula says it sounds like Rebecca got off on, quote, talking with the bad boys. (laughs) I type boys out super hard. Mm -hmm. Does it have a Z in it? No, but it has a bunch of O's on I and an S. Mm. I should have put a fucking Z on it. God fucking damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Stabler pops in. He's like, guess what? Rudy got out two weeks ago. His doting wife was waiting for him. Mm. Craigie tells him to find her and bring Rudy in. Betty and Stabes are at Rudy's wife's apartment and they're talking with her. <laughs> Called darn Yeah, it. they are. <laughs> they are having a chat. <laughs> she hasn't seen Rudy since he got paroled. She's with Dre now, so she doesn't know where Rudy is. And Dre's just standing over in the corner like, hey, I'm Dre. <laughs> She told the parole board that Rudy could live with her. She's like, "Ah, I'm a good wife and didn't want him left in jail for another two years. Benson says that it's illegal to lie about where he's going to live. It's a fucking violation of his parole and he's going to be fucking going back to prison when they find him. Stabler tells her that if Rudy commits a crime while on parole and she's covering for him, that makes her an accessory. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But she doesn't fucking know where he is. She told Rudy to find a job or to go to the homeless shelter when she kicked him out. So cut to St. Anne's Homeless Shelter. Yay, it's Sister Sister Peg. Peg. Yep, she's at the shelter. She's in a kitchen. Stabler says, I fucking hate Stabler. Uh, Yeah. Stabler says, Sister Peg, I've never seen you in the kitchen like this before. You got tired of handing out condoms to the hookers? I was like, wow. And then Sister Peg says, I fucking go where my girls go. A lot of girls end up homeless and the city won't let convicted drug users into public housing anymore. You know, for the people that need it the most. Mm -hmm. Fuck off. She's so awesome in this episode. She's awesome whenever she shows up, but later... Uh, yeah. Stabler shows her a picture of Rudy. You can tell she's like a little bit hesitant to say anything. She's like, why are you after this guy? And Stabler says, well, you know, rape and murder of somebody that was like you just trying to help people. And she's like, he's over there by the shopping cart. Mm-hmm. So the music gets rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> And Benson Staler start walking over to him. Staler does that thing where he calls the name way too early. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ready? He's like, whoa. So Rudy pushes a cart into Stabler and jumps over a fucking table. But then Benson stops him. And she like throws him up against the wall and throws him onto the table. Rudy's like, I don't know who Rebecca is. I've never met a Rebecca in my life. But he's got a textbook about criminology from one of Rebecca's professors. And he's like, I'm trying to educate myself. And Stabler thinks he's using it to learn how to clean up Rebecca's murder. So he's arrested taken away. At the precinct, Benny bounces into the other side of the glass room, aka Craig's meth lab. I don't want to talk about it. All excited to 
tell him she found the sushi delivery guy, and he remembers seeing Rudy at Rebecca's that night. I know this isn't a traditional other side of the glass, but we don't have one in this episode. Exactly. Benson goes into the interview room where Rudy's being held, and she's immediately the kind of mean to him that lets us know he's not our guy and will also never get an apology. Mm -hmm. She goes, our witness saw you with Rebecca and says you smelled. (laughs) Jesus. Like, you mean girl. Rudy goes, Rebecca wanted to help me. She was my friend. And these guys just ping pong over him. You thought you could be more than friends. She wasn't into it. Maybe it got out of hand. Oh, you choked her and she's dead. Better read the professor's book to learn how to clean up your mess. Come on, buddy. It's all in the book. Yeah. And he's just like, what? I don't. So this back and forth gets in his head and confuses the shit out of him. And he just goes, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. And I'm like, Rudy, no. Stabes gives him a notepad and a pen so that he can write a statement. He's like, just put it in the book, honey. Regina George is a fugly (laughs) slut. (laughs) Yeah, I was just trying to remember that quote. (laughs) Just then Cragen comes in and pulls Benson out of the room. He says, bring me that book. He asks her if she spoke to Rebecca's professor, Javier Vega. Um... Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Cragen had collared him for killing a woman in 1976. <gasps> mm-hmm. He was coming off a three-day heroin bender, was robbing her place when she came home and caught him. And Benny's like, oh, wow, this new information changes everything. We should talk to him right away. No, that's what she should have said. What she did say was, doesn't mean he's our guy. What the fuck, Benson? There's more evidence pointing to that than pointing to Rudy. But she's like, right. I've gone too far being mean to this guy. I've got to <laughs> see it through. And then Craig goes, dude, Rebecca was strangled by somebody's left hand. Just then, cut, oh, look into the interrogation room where Rudy is writing his statement with his right hand. Mm-hmm. And then Craigan adds, he's so high, he'd confess to killing his own mother. Am I taking fucking crazy pills? Are we seriously getting a written statement from a guy knowing very well it's a false confession? Craigan's standing there knowing that he's too fucking high to make yeah. the statement, but they'll take it. And the fact that he is cognizant that this happens. Yes. And saying it out loud, like, oh my God. That's just like, oh, I fucking, I fucking hate it here. Craigan wants Vega brought in So Benson's going to call Novak to get a warrant. Boom. Vega's apartment. Boom. SWAT and SVU on the scene. The closets and doors are cleared out. (gasps) Benny finds condoms that match the brand used for the rape. She finds them in... desires. 22 seconds. Not even. Yeah. They walk in the door. She beelines it for his nightstand. It was like, I found condoms. Look at these condoms I found. <laughs> like everything is empty. And she's like, man, looks like somebody trying to get out of here in a hurry. I'm like, if everything is empty, doesn't that mean that he didn't try to get out? Of, like, wouldn't it be like just it, a few things were grabbed? And it looks like, like he meticulously packed up all of his things. He probably put little towels between all of his plates. It does not look like somebody got out of there in a hurry. Yeah. He hired a mover. Precinct updates we get a report from stabler that he canvassed the neighbors one of rebecca's neighbors remembers seeing a 2003 lexus rx parked outside of their place the night of the murder the car is what vega drives craigan's blown Mm. away that some people notice cars and tbh i'm with you buddy but like that is one of the things that john would definitely know john Mm. would be like it was a 2003 lexus rx if we drive by a car or we see like some kind of car he knows exactly how much it costs like i can be like What's that car worth right there? And he can tell you. And he can tell you what kind of engine's in it. And he can tell you about the struts Hmm. and the rotary girder. I don't know anything about cars. I don't care. The same neighbor then saw a man in a black coat and red scarf shoving a, quote, (laughs) big ass bag full of crap into the car. (laughs) 
But he couldn't ID Vega. Craigan thinks that Vega will be back on the streets looking for drugs if the murder rattled him enough. So they're going to put his description info out on a bolo, which is be on the lookout, on the teletype. Remember when we did the Golden State Killer intermish and I was trying to remember the thing that precincts use to communicate with each other? And I was like, mm. I don't know. It's like a cop telegraph system where they like send little messages to each other. I couldn't remember what it was called. Teletype. That's what it's called. Okay. Benny asked if Vega had raped the woman he killed in 76 and Cragen tells them they couldn't tell because they found her partially decomposed in a steel drum. Mm-hmm. Stabler questions why Vega would ruin the progress he made by killing Rebecca. He's a professor now. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Benson thinks Rebecca may have dug up some dirt on Vega, so he killed her to protect his reputation. Cragen mm-hmm. sends them to go back through her files. There's got to be something in her research that points to Vega. So now we're back with Kyle, Mr. Town, Joe Town Kyle. They're going through Rebecca's research documents. Kyle said that Rebecca never told him about if she found out anything about Vega. And Vega never said anything to him about his past either. 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 Kyle says, quote, no wonder Vega is such a good teacher. He knew so much about prison life. I should have guessed he'd done time. I wrote, bro, this Kyle guy is copycatting Vega and setting him up. Yep. But you were already there. He, you were already yeah. there. I I just hated his face right away. So I was like, no, Joe Town. Joe Town. Poor guy. That's his real name. He goes to his agent. And he's like, I need a good stage name. Fucking Jimmy Chattahoochee isn't going to work. <laughs> he's like, okay, uh, let's stick with the country singer theme. Joe Town. Joe Town. But you wear a baseball hat. You're a new kind of country guy. Like, yeah, that sounds good. All right. He's the Sturgill Simpson of fucking SVU, but he's not good. (laughs) That's that's what it says under his headshots. (laughs) I'm sorry, Joe Town. I'm sorry. I'm not Joe Town, to be honest, with a name like that. Okay. Kyle says Rebecca got along really well with Vega and actually came to that specific college to study with him. Kyle says that Rebecca, Vega, and himself would go to Vega's place for drinks every week to talk about research until the past month. But that stopped because recently Rebecca started backing out and making excuses not to go. Interesting. One week she said she had concert tickets, but later that night Kyle found her crying at her desk and she wouldn't tell him why. I don't believe any of this. Yeah. Kyle said if she had a problem with Vega that she should go and talk to the dean. So now we're in Dean Ian Bush's apartment. Dean Ian Bush. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Oh, this guy was in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as Ashton Splode, which I don't know. (laughs) I don't remember that character. And I was like, I don't have time to dig in on this, but I really love the name and I wish I could remember who he was. And he was also in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Bush says that Vega is a great teacher and says that his prison time gives him a unique perspective and his past makes him even more qualified to teach. Stabler ain't having the whole he's a changed man shit. When the dean says that prison is for rehabilitation, Stabler says, no, it's to keep our children safe. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're in law enforcement, you fucking butthole. Shut up, Stabler. Like Jesus. Don't you want them to be rehabilitated for when they get out? Yeah, I know. Or do you think they're just trash forever? You arrest them and you decide they're trash and then they're trash forever. Like that's your opinion of people who make mistakes. 
or people yep. who have like whatever. It's just and then I know the the prisons are packed to the fucking gills because there's a fucking cyclical nature of what's revolving going on door. for the, yeah. the that's the word I'm looking for. There's the revolving door of the fucking prison system, and then it's like wow, the prisons are packed with fucking. Blah, blah, blah. It's like you know what would help that fucking rehabilitation. Weird. Yeah. I loved watching you try to figure out the word revolving door. <laughs> you were like, it's like this, you know, those things that you knock on when you want to go to somebody's house, but it's, it's in a circle, man. It's in a fucking circle, dude. <laughs> you were like even making a circle with your hand. Oh, yeah. You know, like, knock, knock, who's there? What is that called? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, okay. Bush doesn't think that Vega killed Rebecca, but only because he's like, Vega was her mentor. And I was like, mm, okay, well, yeah. Rebecca had listened to Kyle and had made an appointment with the Dean for the following week. She wanted to change her advisor, but the Dean does not think Vega could have killed her. But he had gotten an anonymous letter the week before demanding that he fire Vega for covering up his past. Benson wants the cop what oh i'm just waiting to scream it was kyle like i the whole time i keep going i know it was kyle it was it was obvious that it was kyle Mm -hmm. we all know it's kyle yeah benson wants that letter and a copy of vega's personnel file outside benson and stabler do a little walk and talk benny asks stabes if he thinks it's possible to rehabilitate murderers and stabler says once a killer always a killer fuck off Benson says, mm. you're a good Catholic. Didn't Jesus teach forgiveness? And Stabler says, Jesus was perfect. I'm not. And then I get mad about religion for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I did as well. They're almost to the car and Stabler reads in the file, Vega has a daughter, Gabrielle, and she's a law student at the same university Vega teaches at. Free tuition because her dad's a professor, which is awesome. Benny and Stabes do a little walk and talk with Vega's daughter, Gabrielle, mm-hmm. who's being played by fucking movie stars. Star Zoe Saldana, mm-hmm. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, Avatar. Yeah. I'm like Vivo because I'm a mom. He, she was a voice in this cartoon that the kids like. This uh, fucking movie, the Avengers movies, the Star Trek movies. Uh-huh. She's at every Comic Con, y'all. Yeah, she's probably not. She's very busy. She doesn't know where her dad is, but she knows he didn't kill anyone. She says he ran because he's worried about them seeing his record and then only seeing him as an ex-con. Weird, which based on all the bullshit commentary from this episode is a valid concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gabrielle has only had a relationship with her dad since after his crime that got him locked up. Mm -hmm. He found out that he had a daughter after Gabrielle's mom passed away. So Gabrielle went and met with him while he was in prison. That's why he got clean and got an education. And Stabler sarcastically goes, so now he's a saint? Wow, dude. Like somebody can't fucking turn their life around. It's like zero chance, zero opportunity. Remember when you slapped your kid and then didn't? And you decided to be a better dad. Remember? And then you got drunk and cried about it in a bar to Cragen over carpet. It's like, yeah, Stabler, people make mistakes. I'm not saying like murder. Murder is a big one. That's a big mistake. Yeah. But Jesus Christ. But it is possible to change your life around. He can turn his life around and, and not be guilty of this crime is what we're saying. Just because he has a past doesn't doesn't mean he's doing all of the crimes all of the time yeah why don't you take a look at kyle dude yeah did they you know what they never actually like call his friends that night he said he was drunk they didn't even consider him at all they're like we should go back to kyle and ask him a few more questions just to clarify some stuff we're not curious about him or his whereabouts at all he told us her vega and kyle hung out every week had drinks at his house every week that's pretty close do your due diligence dudes right thank you dudes doing due diligence (laughs) driving dodges (laughs) 
so yeah, Staler's like, so so now he's a saint. She explains herself further, which is exhausting and seems unnecessary. Her dad wrote to her every day while he was away. And since he's been out, he's worked his ass off and built a life for them. She only knows the rehabbed awesome version of her dad. They keep on her about the past, trying to what? Sway her into believing he's a monster when she's only experienced otherwise. So they keep pushing her, acting like her dad's a piece of shit. And she gets pissed and is like, he was a different person when he was high. He's been clean for 16 fucking years, but you don't give a shit about that. And I fucking hate that they aren't practicing at all what they preach. And I'm including that Catholic stabler bullshit. Mm -hmm. So Benny leans on this girl now to get Vega's location out of her. But Gabrielle doesn't bite. Dudes, I'm a law student. You guys lie all the time to get information. You think Mm -hmm. I'm going to believe you're just out to clear my dad? I'm not telling you shit. Mm -hmm. Stabler pulls the, I'm going to shame and embarrass you in front of people that affect your livelihood card and holds up Vega's photo, yelling to everyone in the office about her dad. And he gets Mm -hmm. his way, but not exactly. Gabrielle tells them that Vega left the country. Hmm. Back in Cragen's office, Stabler and Cragen are going over everything. Stabler thinks Gabrielle is lying about Vega leaving the country because she doesn't want to give him up. He checked and Vega isn't on any record or flight manifest as having left the country. He could still be in the city and he may not leave because he doesn't want to leave his daughter. Mm -hmm. Stabes goes, she would do anything to protect her father. And Cragen isn't having any of this. Well, then she's an accessory. Bring her in. I'll talk to her myself. Stabler tries to gently ask Cragen to consider that he may be a little gulp involved. Mm-hmm. Oof, Daddy Craig's snaps. Vega raped and murdered an innocent young woman. Of course I'm involved. Benson comes in to break up the tench. Vega's car was spotted in Queens. Cragen gets his coat and fucking tears out of there. And Stabler's like, we can handle it. And Cragen's like, so can I. When mm-hmm. is the when is a case not personal for one of these guys? It's they just no, no. take turns. I didn't see Munch or Toots once. No. Did you? No, they were on break. I think over in Queens, they're surrounding the car. They're doing all the things, all the cop things, all the detective things. And they're like, oh, the engine's cold. So that means it's been there for a while. Benny opens the door and smells perfume. And she's like, "Mm, this is something an older woman would have worn. No woman under 60 wears this perfume. And I'm like, did it smell like baby powder and flowers? Kind of. Yeah, I was like rose, rose petals or whatever. Coffee breath? What does this smell like? (sighs) It also wasn't the smell that Benson noticed on Gabrielle. And I'm like, oh, you're a little sniff detect, isn't she? Mm. <laughs> a little bloodhound. This is lilies and roses in the car. Vega's daughter wears sandalwood and bergamot. Mm. And Stabler's like, good thing we've got a woman on our team. She's like, that's what I'm here for. I know every shade of lipstick. I need a week off every month for my period. <laughs> yeah. God, that fucking A bus stop is across from where the car was left. So they go ask the bus driver where that bus goes to. There are a lot of cemeteries along this bus route. Benson says the smell in the car wasn't perfume. It was flowers. Stabler finds Rebecca's funeral announcement in the paper he borrowed from the bus driver. Her funeral was that morning at Avondale Cemetery. Vega is going to Rebecca's grave. What an incredible series of events that got us to our next oh step. God. This is a Can fucking... you believe that the... What? What are you going to say? <laughs> Can you believe the bus was just there? You're like, there's a bus stop. Wait, there's a bus not driving. Usually they're driving all the time. What's, let's go talk to the bus. Oh my God, the paper? <laughs> the paper? <laughs> Can I see your paper really quick? You know what? There's a lot of cemeteries on this route. I'm just going to tell you that just because it's part of my route. 
out. The Bronx is riddled with them. There's cemeteries <laughs> everywhere. I pass dead bodies all day long, every day. That's my job. I pick up live bodies, but I'm passing dead bodies. Weird you didn't ask me about that, but I'm going to tell you. There's a lot of McDonald's on my route, too, but I don't think that's going to get you anywhere. Here, check out my paper. Oh, my God. There's an announcement. Also, the cemetery shit, was today? This shit was a fucking reach unless the car was packed to the absolute max with flowers they wouldn't leave a lingering smell and even then it wouldn't be long enough for the car to get cold and the smell to still be there i smelled fucking lilies and roses that like do you know what it means it's like i smell jeremy's writing again There was a fucking gas station bouquet of roses sitting in the front of this car. I can smell it. Those last for days. Once that smell gets in your car, you can't get it out. It's a cat piss, dude. Everybody knows that about lilies and fucking roses, dude. There's a cat piss of flowers. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. I didn't realize till just now with us talking how absolutely ridiculous yeah. this scene. Was. Me either. Until, yeah. Oh my god. Now we're at the cemetery. Craig and Stabler and Benson find Vega squatting on the ground, holding flowers at Rebecca's grave. He's arrested. Craigan's like, it's been a long time, Vega. And Vega looks up confused and he says, do I know you? Craigan says, it'll come back to you. What I love is that Craigan steps to him like Vega's going to be like, mm-hmm. Donald Craigan, my fucking arch nemesis who arrested me in the 70s or whatever. But instead he gives him the, I don't know her, Mariah Carey response. <laughs> Right. Burn. So Craigan reads him his rights as he's taken away. Now we're back at the precinct. We're in an interview room. Craigan walks in. Vega immediately remembers him. He's like, fucking, I know you from my crimes before. And Craigan's like, yeah, I wish you would have remembered at the cemetery because I was really grandstanding right. for a second. And I was a little right. embarrassed, but... Vega says he did not kill Rebecca. And Craigan's like, why'd you fucking run? And he's like, um, because I'm scared. Once fucking Benny and Staves found out he was an ex-con for murder 30 years ago, he's like, I didn't have a choice but run. Vega says someone is setting him up. Craigan says that the fucking person who's setting him up must know him fucking very well. Craigan tells Vega about the evidence against him, the car being seen at Rebecca's place, the condoms, the strangling with the left hand. Vega said he spent the last 20 years studying crime. If it was him, he would have done a better job of covering it up. Ooh. Which is an incredible argument. Yeah. Vega tells Craigan that he wouldn't fucking kill Rebecca. He loved her and they were going to get married. Oh. And I was like, that fucking nerd killed her. He was he was <laughs> jelly, dude. Yeah. <laughs> fucking nerd killed her. <laughs> Craigan tells him to wake up. She was so terrified of you, she was going to change advisors. Vega says he told her to. A student sleeping with her professor looks bad to everybody. We were protecting our careers. He's like 80 years old and she's probably like 23. I don't like he it. He is not what 80. A, I mean, he has a daughter that is his daughter. Yeah, he's, you know, his daughter goes to the same school. His the new stepmom. Yeah, you know it's what a, I mean? a May December romance. Don't age shame a couple. Whatever. I don't know. We don't know. Craigan says, then why was she trying to end yours? And I was like, what? Craigan says Rebecca's prints were on the anonymous letter that was sent to Dean Bush about firing Vega and outing his past. Vega reads the letter and says that she did not write like that. 
Mm-hmm. Cragen asks how her prince got on it, and he says he doesn't know, but she couldn't have written it because he had told her everything about his past months ago. Cragen gets in Vega's face and says he's lying. Just like in the past when he killed the woman in 1976, Cragen says his prints were all over the oil can the victim was found in. Vega says he'll never forget what he did to that victim, and her face will haunt him till the day he dies. But his past is the past. He's a different man. Just like you, he says. Oh, yeah, I remember you. You were a drunk. The stench of booze was all over you. But you changed, didn't you, Captain? You think you're the only one who can? And Cragen is shook, y'all. Ooh, this standoff. And that mm-hmm. shuts Cragen the fuck down. Yeah, dude. He's like, uh, okay. He walks to the other side of the table and says, all right, I'm listening. Vega says he was at Rebecca's the night she died. When he left her place, she was still alive. Cragen's like, 20 years in criminology and that's the best you can do? Vega says Rudy was there too. Vega gave him a ride to the Lydia Motel. When they both left, Rebecca was alive. Did I mention the music is all swelly? Because (laughs) it fucking is. It is, yeah. It fucking is. Now we're back at the precinct. The gang talks about Vega's statement. Stabler says Vega's lying through his dang teeth. Fuck off, Stabler. No one at the Lydia remembers seeing Vega or Rudy. When they were like, Vega's lying. Nobody at the Lydia remembers seeing Vega or Rudy. Craigan's like, I should have known. Why did I even listen to him? And then he bops Vega's photo that's taped up on the crime board. I know, I saw He's that. Like, mm. <laughs> it was He's like, oh, funny. You, you got mm. me, picture. Yeah, I saw that. I almost typed that in, but I was like, eh, whatever. But I'm glad you caught it, too. I'm mad about it. Yeah, we're like, chill, daddy. It's fine. I mean, it's not fine. You know? Yeah. Feel however you feel. They need to find Rudy so they can question him. So far, he's been MIA since they snagged him earlier. Novak says the only evidence they have against Vega is circumstantial. Vega's past murder matching the current MO is only admissible if the judge allows it. Craigan is fucking foaming at the mouth and is way too close to this. Novak fucking notices. Novak asks Craigan to step into his office to talk. So Novak brings up Craigan and Vega's history. Apparently, Vega was arrested for Grand Theft Auto in 75. He got probation because his arresting officer asked for leniency. That officer, it was Cragen. <sighs> Novak asks why he did it. And Cragen says Vega was just a kid who was high. And when he came down, he seemed serious about cleaning his shit up. But Vega didn't and ended up killing. Novak wants to make sure it's not too personal betwixt Cragen and Vega. Oh, my God. Cragen's like, it's not personal. All I want is for this bastard to rot in jail forever and to never get any visitors and to never find a pen that works when you need to write something down. And when he's making his bed and putting a fitted sheet on, the last corner always pops off. So he keeps trying to get it. But then another one pops off and it just keeps happening until he dies. It's not personal. (laughs) Right. I want him to have to cut cucumbers the way that fucking Kardashian bitch did for the rest (laughs) of his life. (laughs) It's never going to work. (laughs) Let's go to trial. Vega's on the stand telling his story of being a heroin addict, killing Joanna Lewis, serving his time, and doing everything he could to turn his life around. Judge Petrovsky Mm -hmm. is next to him absolutely riveted. Mm Mm-hmm. Vega's lawyer, Dave Seaver, is the one questioning him. So he's it's really just him getting a platform to speak his side of things, right? He goes mm-hmm. on to explain that he's even been paying $500 a month toward his victim's memorial fund ever since he got out because it's the right thing to do. And in teaching criminology, his hope is that he can help teach others 
to prevent crimes like his. Vega admits to being in love with Rebecca and doubling down on the fact that he could have never killed her. His daughter's in the gallery there to support him, by the way. Mm -hmm. Novak's turn. She shows the evidence photo. Hold on. What? Did you see her fucking boots when she walked up? No. She had like knee-high boots on. (gasps) It was crazy. Go ahead. That's it. I was just like, holy fuck. Killer boots, man. (laughs) Don't put it out with your boots, Tad. What else do I know about boots? It's from from Billy Madison when they put the bag of shit on the guy's doorstep. (laughs) And he's like, oh, yeah, it's poop again. (laughs) He's like, you called the shit poop. (laughs) Don't put it out with your boots, Tad. And then he stomps on it and he's got shit all over his boots. Okay. I love how every time we record, we're like, this is taking forever. I know. Novak's turn, clip clop in her little boots. She shows the evidence photo of Joanna Lewis's neck from 1976. Vega denies raping her, but he does admit that he killed her. Novak then shows the photo of Rebecca's neck with similar markings. A photo of the condom fragment found on her, another photo of the fiber from Vega's coat that was found in Rebecca's trachea, and the letter that she allegedly wrote to Dean Bush. And we see Mm -hmm. like the fingerprint dustings all over it. Vega still says there's no way Rebecca wrote that letter. And Novak goes, if she didn't write it, who did? Fucking mm. Vega has this response holstered. Why don't you ask the cops? Ooh. Mm. Novak uses that opportunity to go in front of the jury and present how ridiculous that would sound to a reasonable person. So the mm-hmm. cops knew your brand of condoms, put that inside of her, got a fiber from your coat and shoved that down her throat. And he's like, fuck yeah. And continues Something to- ha- yeah. Yeah, because he insists so hard that he didn't kill her. So he's like, it's got to be something like that. Gabe and I are in the gallery going, it was Kyle. It was Joe (laughs) Town. (laughs) It was it was the one other guy that hung out with you guys. (laughs) Yeah. The music gets so swelly. It's busting at the seams. It's a waterbed in the (laughs) second floor apartment. And we're about to forfeit our security deposit. (laughs) That's so weird because I almost made a waterbed comment like really uh, the first three minutes in when i was like how do i draw a swelly music like maybe people standing on the edge of a waterbed and all the water is on one side mm-hmm. i was like does that would that would that be a drawing of swelly to me it's so an over yeah it's an overfilled waterbed mm-hmm. <laughs> The camera cuts from Vega to Novak to Zoe Saldana, back to Novak to Cragen to the lady behind Cragen wearing a turtleneck. It's intense. <laughs> it's just bouncing all over the place. This woman had a, the most extreme turtleneck I've ever seen. It covered her entire face. She looked like an uncircumcised penis. I was just going to say that. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> no, it was it was like rolled down, but it was it was just this gigantic. It was too much turtleneck. I A turtleneck gives me so much like... I can feel my throat closing up right now. I'm allergic to them. (laughs) Precinct. Cragen walks in. He's coming back from court. Vega was found guilty on all counts in less than an hour. Stabes fucking loves it. Sister Peg shows up. She knows where Rudy is. And she's got a fucking attitude on her. And I love that. She tells them Rudy's hiding because he's scared and thinks he's going to get fucking killed because these fucking cops have been going around the city telling every goddamn drug dealer that they're looking for him. So now all the drug dealers think that he's a rat. Mm. They tell Sister Peg that if she lets them talk to him, they'll make it right with the dealers. 
get the fuck out of here. Okay, because they're going to believe two cops coming around to tell them that a guy is not an informant. Just so you guys know, I know maybe you thought earlier that when we were asking about him, he was an informant, but like, he's definitely not giving us any information. And they're like, for fuck, sure. Fuck off. And then they exaggerate a handshake in part ways. Sounds legit. <laughs> right. right. But Peg just wants their word that they won't arrest Rudy and she'll take them to him. Oh boy. I wonder if they just help put away the wrong guy. <laughs> I don't know. Kyle's at home binging bones like, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it's not anything like this. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the detectives chatting with Rudy. Rudy says that Vega gave him some money and dropped him off at the motel that night around 7, like he fucking said he did. But the sushi guy says Rudy left the house around 8. And he's kind of stammering as Sister Peg encourages him to just really slow down, think, and get his facts straight. Rudy changes his answer then and said it was around 9 when he left because it was after Vega and Rebecca finished fighting about Rudy. Rebecca said that Rudy could stay at her place and Vega didn't want Rudy sleeping on his girlfriend's couch. And this fucking trips mm -hmm. up Stabler. His girlfriend? You sh and he literally says the sentence, you sure about that? You sure? You sure about that? You sure that's that's what he said his girlfriend? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure about that? That that's that he was his girlfriend? You sure? Sure. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. So that's giving them boom, 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 checking off every box that they fucking missed or that they refused mm -hmm. to believe. Rudy says that Rebecca told him that she and Vega were going to get married. Stabler asks mm -hmm. him again what time he got to the hotel, but Rudy really can't remember. All he remembers is that it stopped raining on the way there. Off to the weather lab. Just kidding. That's not a thing. But obviously, that's going to be the thing that tells him what time it is. I can tell when it is raining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many Mean Girls things today. There is. Yeah. So now we're back at the precinct. Stabler checked with the weather service. The rain stopped at 9.22 p.m., the night Rebecca was killed. Benson says it's possible that Vega dropped Rudy off and then went back to kill Rebecca. Neighbors saw Vega's car at Rebecca's place at 11.30, but Cragen wants them to go back and talk to the neighbor to get the exact time he saw the car. Cragen doesn't want Vega to be able to get out of the conviction. Mm. Benson and Stabler go back to talk with Rebecca's neighbor. The neighbor confirms that he saw the car at 1130. The Simpsons had just ended. He went to close the window and that's when he saw the car. He's what? been in a ton of stuff. And as you'd imagine, there's a lot of mafia type stuff on the list. Surprisingly, mm -hmm. no Sopranos. But my favorite one was called Supa Ninjas. Oh, God. Supa, like S-U-P-A-H. Yeah. They added an H? I need to I need to see it. Huh? They yeah, added an H to that? Super Instead ninjas. Instead of just A? Yeah, super ninjas. Hmm. And then he tells him, he's like, I told the other detectives it was 1130. And again, Staves goes, you sure about that? <laughs> he's like, yeah, the Simpsons just ended. I went to close the window and that's when I saw the car. And someone put a big ass bundle in the trunk. Mm-hmm. They see a car. They see a car run through a red light going through the intersection. Benson's like, what? There's cameras taking pics. Maybe the cameras caught Vega in the act. Time for the friggin' high-tech, not pixelated-at-all security footage. Let's go get yep. it. Now, now we're at the Taru lab. A Taru tech finds camera footage of Vega at 8.30 that night, and the Lexus is seen again at 11.07. Mm. To be sure, Benson has the tech enhance the photo to see the license plate on the car. <sighs> 
the plates from the earlier photo don't match the plates from 1107. Oh my fucking God, what's happening, Kyle? Holy shit, Kyle. He's good. Mm. Benson and Stabes go to a rental car agency. Some dork in a green vest hands Benny the rental agreement and renter info. Immediately, she's like, ugh, dude, this license is fake, you dumb dick. He's like, oh, geez, I don't know how this could have happened. Stabler lightly threatens to charge him with renting cars to unlicensed drivers. So dude tells him about the GPS tracker that gets put on all the nice cars in case they're stolen. The GPS records show that the rental car was driven to Rebecca's house, then to the park where they found Rebecca's body. They tell the guy to find where the car is at that very moment. Technology, technology, technology. Benson says that whoever has the car is who killed Rebecca. And Stabler responds with, an innocent man is in prison. We put him there. Fucking shut up. Yeah. Like, God, you now you worked whatever. really hard to put him there. Didn't check up on anything he was telling you. It's right. like... Oh, it's just so much extra work if we have to follow up on somebody saying something about something else. Jesus. I'm never going to see Kath and the kids. I want to so bad. I swear. <laughs> uh, also, find out where the car is at that very moment. So whoever has the car is who killed Rebecca. It's a rental car. And Rebecca was killed over a week ago. Yeah. That motherfucker would have gotten rid of that car immediately. Immediately that car would have been bleached and taken back. Or just left somewhere. Yeah. I mean, the guy had a fake ID. Oh, yeah, duh. He used a fake license. Yeah. Anyway, this whole episode, Jeremy... Get it together. Says Jeremy Quit all Quit fingering over it. fucking people on the Disney cruise line and get the fuck. <laughs> this episode has Jeremy all over it, like some 20-something who's had too many drinks on a Disney cruise. <laughs> yes. At the precinct, Cragen feels bad that he brought up evidence and suspected Vega for Rebecca's murder. I'm the reason he was even a suspect. Ugh. And storms off to his office to get his coat. Don't worry. Benny and Staves are there to comfort him for putting a man in prison. Craigan's going to go talk to Vega. You owe him a big old apology, Daddy C. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know. Cut to Vega, full on my dad, Kenny, yelling in Craigan's face <laughs> in a room at the jail. <laughs> mistake? That's the best you can say? We made a mistake? Craigan apologizes and says he's calling the ADA to get Vega out of their ASAP. He says he wants to make things right. Oh, my fucking God. Vega asks him if he can bring Rebecca back and restore his career. Craigan gets mm -hmm. up close and can see that Vega is using again. And he's like, you're not even trying to hide it. He goes, yeah, it makes the time go quicker. Fuck, Craigan, you've done it now, bud. You've done it now. I'm like wagging my finger at him this whole time. But it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's your fucking fault. Dude was a professor at a university with an incredible relationship with his daughter that he built all of this for himself and you're like but remember before i'm just gonna blinders on right at you and now you're fucking off the wagon after 16 fucking years i've ruined your reputation there's absolutely no way you're gonna get your job back anyway craigan offers to help get vega help honey that's the least you can do and mm -hmm. vega's not receptive oh Sorry, he can't make you feel better, Kringen. He's not like, oh my God, that's okay. Water under the bridge. Craigan goes to take off, but leaves an open-ended offer to Vega regarding helping him get back on the wagon. Vega asks, who killed Rebecca? And Craigan says, somebody who wanted to hurt you. Any ideas? And Vega can only think of the fucking NYPD. Mm -hmm. So Craigan's standing in the doorway and Vega's like, what was the name of the car rental place? Craigan tells him and then goes, I'm going to keep you posted. And Vega's like, sure, Jan. Mm -hmm. 
Kragen goes to Novak's office. Kragen is all pumped and wants Vega released like today because he's using again, but he's not supposed to be released till the next day. Novak says Rikers can't get him into court until the next morning. He tells Novak that he wants Vega produced by the end of the day. Like she can do anything about it, whatever. If Novak can get a motion on the calendar by then, he's calling in a favor, okay? Mm-hmm. Kragen goes to the phone to fucking call whoever and Novak's like dude this is not your fault you didn't <laughs> yeah. put the needle in Vega's arm okay whatever Kragen feels guilty for Vega being in prison and using again he says that he torpedoed Vega's career and locked him in with a bunch of junkies Novak tells him that he was just doing his job and it's not his fault and then he says well maybe the brass will give me a medal good I hope you feel bad feel I bad. hope you feel bad and I hope you apply it moving forward Right. So now we're in trial again. Novak wants to dismiss all the charges against Vega. Vega's lawyer says that he hopes the people notice the error of their ways. Gabriel looks at Craig and across the courtroom. Vega is freed and the court dismisses. Gabriel runs over and to hug her dad, Vega. Her name is Gabrielle. Her, dad. her name is Gabrielle. You're calling her oh, Gabriel because that's your my, name. <laughs> that's my name. It's hard to do the... Yeah. Who, why Gabrielle? It's fucking stupid. I hate Gabrielle. that. Gabrielle. Like it's Gabriel. That's you those are different. They're just different names. Why are you mad about their different names? Because it's hard. It's harder to say. Gabriel. Like you're fuck inconveniencing off. me, so your name has to be my name now. Yeah, that is. Uh, you know what that is. Don't do that. <laughs> I can't pronounce your name. Can I just call you Jeff? <laughs> Gabriel. How you? Gabriel. 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 Gab. Gabrielle goes and hugs her dad and his lawyer, then runs over to Craigan and says, do you own a home? Any assets we should know about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then serves Craigan with a fucking case. They are seeking $12 million in damages from the city and him. And they are going after everyone involved in this case. Good. Good. Novak asks Craigan if he wants to go out of the courthouse the back way. And he says no. Craigan leaves and the media is outside the door flashing lights and shit. And he deserves it. Mm-hmm. And he knows he does. He knows he does. CSU is taking apart the rental car. I guess they found it. Stabler's there giving updates to Craigan. So far, nothing has been found. Craigan wants him to check the seat again. Sometimes people forget they move the seat back. Mm. Crime scene tech checks under the seat and finds nail clippers. It's not just any tech. It's Ryan straight out of Dublin O'Halloran. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Get it always, right. I sorry. You always recognize him. I never fucking do. It's, I love it. A fingernail clipping with red polish that matches Rebecca's is still attached. A print is found on the clippers. Thank God. Is it Kyle's? If this motherfucker didn't wear gloves... What a piece of shit. What he did all this stuff idiot. and didn't All this stuff and didn't wear gloves. <laughs> I love how we're like, Craig and couldn't see what we're seeing. Oh my God, this piece of shit. Oh, this guy did all this murdering and he didn't wear gloves. Idiot. <laughs> what is that? It's a, it's a meme or something where it's like, you know, watching a yeah, crime show like, of somebody and they're you're like, you fucking idiot. And you're just like, you're like eating popcorn. And yeah. like, <laughs> what a fucking moron. Sitting on your couch with your pants unbuttoned. Like, <laughs> Duh, you guys. <laughs> Later in the crime lab, Cragen is hovering CSU Captain Judy as she's trying to match the print. Like, over her shoulder, like, do you got, do you got anything yet? Do you got anything? And he's, like, <laughs> talking into her the, her, the side of her cheek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Nothing. This perp didn't have a criminal record. Cragen wants her to run the print against records for anyone who works in the criminal justice system. Because uh, we suspect somebody who knows stuff. Oh, she found a possible match. It's not a lot because it's only a seven point match. I can't remember the number that they normally it's want. Ten. It's 10. 10 is like, I think, yeah. The match is brr, fucking Kyle Lerman, Joe Town. That <laughs> I wrote, nerd. I wrote quotations. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Just then, new scene. Staves and Craig and synchronized karate roundhouse kick the door to Kyle's apartment open. There's loud, can't hardly wait Empire Records background music playing. <laughs> Nobody's home. Sugar high. <laughs> <laughs> na 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 na. Stabler immediately finds a file right on the kitchen counter containing stalker photos Kyle took. Just a <gasps> ton of pics of Vega and Rebecca. Kyle had mm. access to personal knowledge, i.e., Vega's condoms, because Vega had students over once a week for drinks at his apartment. Was mm -hmm. Mary there? Kyle could have written the letter using a piece of paper Rebecca touched because they worked together. Mm -hmm. Oh, this seems obvious. Kyle didn't take his <laughs> coat. Kyle didn't take his coat. He left a cup of coffee, so he was in a hurry. That's what leaving in a hurry looks like. That's what leaving in a hurry, yeah. yes, exactly. He must have taken off as soon as he had heard Vega was cleared. Now we're in the precinct. Craigan is gung-ho about finding Kyle, and he's ordering everyone around. You, go over there. You, go over there. You, grab that. That's Craigan. Yeah. Gabrielle shows up at the precinct and asks to talk to Craigan. He tells her he can't. They're suing him, so he needs his attorney present. She shows Benson a note her dad left for her. She thinks he is going to kill himself. <gasps> Benson tells Kragen to read it. Later in the note, Vega says, I hope you can forgive me one final sin in the name of justice. This is not about him, but for the quote, the woman I love. Stabler pieces it together. Kyle didn't run away. Vega kidnapped Kyle. That's why he was probably like, what was the name of that? Like maybe he connected that to Kyle somehow. Yeah. Well, that Kragen realizes that just now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's like literally... The next line, yeah. I know, I was like, hmm, I wonder why he, how he knew that. <laughs> God. Cragen <laughs> realizes that when he told Vega where the car was rented from, he was able to piece it together that the rental place was near the library Kyle was at all, all the time. The rental agency is two blocks from the sociology library. Why are we still acting yep. surprised? Fucking no joke. Two blocks. Every time they're like, <laughs> it was two blocks away. I'm always like, oh, I better put that in. What? And it's like, no, yeah. that's Gabe noticed that seasons ago for this very reason, because they do that all the time. Craigan thinks I noticed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the coffee cups. That's right. But I've always noticed the coffee cups. That's not who cares. Craigan thinks that Vega took Kyle to Central Park where Rebecca's body was left. The music gets all swelly as fuck. And he tells the gang to send a perimeter around the scene. He's on his way. Nips diamonds fucking razoring through my fucking Carhartt hoodie. <laughs> We're at Central Park. The cops tell Craigan Vega is using Kyle as a shield. So SWAT can't get a shot in. Craigan approaches Vega and Kyle with his arms out. 
like, hey, I got nothing. Vega has a gun to Kyle's head. Kyle begs for help and that Vega is going to kill him. And Kraken says, I don't fucking blame him, dude. But yeah. Vega, put the gun down. Okay. Vega is telling Kyle, what? This whole scene is so intense, but Kyle, mm. it's just while Kraken and Vega are talking, Kyle's just sitting there like a betta fish that flopped out of its tank, like full fish, <laughs> lips, open <laughs> mouth. <laughs> I took yeah. a video. I took a video. Send it to me. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I only I took remember a few like seconds of it, but it was the entire time. <laughs> it's like, he was like this. <laughs> and they're just talking back and forth. <laughs> and I get it. Like, what's his face supposed to be doing? Yeah. Vega is telling Kyle fucking admit you fucking killed Rebecca, but he won't say anything. Vega says, tell them or I'll blow your fucking head off. End quote. Kyle finally says he killed Rebecca. He says he fucking loved her, but he was pissed when she told him that she was marrying Vega. He went to her apartment and gave her, quote, one last chance. And she blew it, he says. Gross. Oh, it's all about an incel? Okay. Yeah, I'm a nice guy. I gave her one last chance. She blew it. So I fucking killed her and framed her fiance. Fucking psycho. Fuck you, Kyle. Kragen tells Vega to put the gun down. He has his confession, but Vega doesn't want to. He's fucking mad as shit. Mm-hmm. No, no. Kragen tells... <laughs> You're laughing. He's really mad. You went... You went <laughs> I did? Yeah. Oh, I, I want to hear it. Kragen tells Vega, your daughter, you know, Gabrielle, she came to see me and I promised her I'd bring you home safe. But Vega says the only way he's leaving is in a fucking body bag. Kragen says, not if you let him live. He confessed to murder. He's finished. Let me help you. And then Vega says, no one can help me. And then Kragen says, you're still thinking like a junkie. Fine. Go ahead. Kill him. Show me you're still a murderer too. (gasps) Vega drops the gun and walks away from Kyle and is sobbing. Reverse psychology wins again! Yeah, that was real quick too. Jeez. Yeah. Kyle picks up the gun and tries to shoot Vega, but SWAT shoots Kyle and Craig and drags Vega to the ground. He like dives, oh, he throws hug. himself yeah. on Vega. And that's when Vega realizes that Craigan cares. Oh, Craigan stands up and helps Vega up. Craigan says, Let's go see your daughter. And they leave the park together holding hands. I love that Vega kidnapped Kyle and had a gun to his head. But Craigan's like, let's go get some coffee. We owe you that much. Let's go see your daughter. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Hey, you want to get out of here? (laughs) Toyota. Toyota. Let's do this chaser. So this chaser is based in... The way that Vega's crime when he was young followed him throughout his life and there was like an eternal kind of punishment for him. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You just can't, I mean, just not being able to get away from it. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the basis because I read a couple places that this had some relation. So yeah, there's this TV movie starring Sam Rockwell from 1993 called Dead Drunk, the Kevin Tunnell story. It's just kind of, I mean, I'm going to tell you the story, but it's the way that it lines up with this episode is young people under the influence doing dumb fucking shit and then having that have to follow them. Mm -hmm. It's really a uh, cautionary tale. On December 31st, 1981, 17-year-old Kevin Tunnell picked up a couple of bottles of champagne with his brother's ID as he headed to a New Year's Eve party at a friend's house 
in Fairfax, Virginia. Mm -hmm. They party, they're drinking, he's pounding beers and champagne and whatever. Kevin left the party at about 1 a.m., even though his friends asked him not to drive in the condition he was in. And, you Mm -hmm. know, he's like, I don't live that far, young people shit, right? His last words before walking out the door were, nothing ever happens to me. What haunting words, right? Hmm. As he drove home and drunkenly crossed the center line as he did, he struck an oncoming car, killing 18-year-old Susan Herzog instantly. He walked away from the accident with just a few scratches. Kevin pled guilty to manslaughter and drunk driving in juvenile court. He was given court-supervised probation and lost his license until he turned 21. He was also given a year of community service. In court, Kevin told the judge he wanted to tell his story to other teenagers and warn them of the consequences that come with drinking and driving. Kevin's community service would be just that, speaking engagements. He did this full-time, like legit 40 hours a week for the year following his his sentence and Kevin even mm. took it a step further and continued telling his story and speaking on the subject for six years beyond what was required of him mm. I mean that's something that lines up with the episode as well how Vega was giving to this memorial fund when he didn't have to do that he went beyond what was being required of him just because he felt mm. like it was the right thing to do he's made a couple of videos you know doing this so this these can be played like he's traveled to do these speaking things but back at the original hearing Patricia and Lewis heard Herzog, Susan's parents, weren't satisfied with the verdict. I wouldn't be either. I mean, he didn't Mm -hmm. get any jail time or anything. It was juvenile court. Right. And it was also in the early stages of anybody giving a shit about drunk driving. Right. After the sentence, the Herzogs had filed a $1.5 million civil suit for emotional distress, but offered to settle on the full cash value of Kevin's parents' insurance policy, which was undisclosed, with an additional $936 with very specific conditions. Kevin was to write out a check for $1 every week to be paid on Friday, the day Susan died, made out to Susan Herzog until the debt was paid. From 1982 to the year 2000, 18 years, Mm. one for every year Susan had been alive. They wanted to ensure that Kevin had to think of their daughter at least once a week for 18 years. Mm. So he agreed to this right away because it seems like that's doable. I can do that. I can write a check for a dollar once a week. So there was occasions where he missed making the payments and the Herzogs were quick to take him before a judge every single time. Like this was principle based. Mm -hmm. Around March of 1989, seven years into the 18 year sentence, Kevin started missing a lot of weekly payments. And by March of 1990, the Herzogs took him back to court for the fourth time. They argued Mm -hmm. in front of this judge that he was in contempt for failing to make the agreed upon payments. Kevin told the judge, Jack Stevens, he was haunted by intrusive thoughts and mental images of Susan all the time. He would lie in bed at night and be startled by noises thinking Susan was coming to visit him. So it was the task of writing these checks that was really torturous for him. It was overwhelming him with guilt every time he did it. In court, he said, quote, it's like I'm not purposely not writing them because I want to defy the court and I'm trying to hurt the Herzogs. I just don't feel good. It hurts. Louis Herzog responded by telling the judge, quote, Susan's death is there every waking moment, but every time we don't get a check, There's only one thing that comes to our mind. He doesn't remember. So in this courtroom, Kevin Mm -hmm. presented the Herzogs with hundreds and hundreds of $1 checks dated every week until 2001, a year longer Mm -hmm. than his obligation. And they refused. It was the fucking principle. They want that check 
on Friday once a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had two boxes full of paper checks that he sat and wrote thinking this was going to satisfy the situation, just not getting it. Mm-hmm. Patricia responded to his offer with, quote, what we want is to receive that check every week on time. If he does, he will never hear from us. He must understand we're going to pursue this until August of the year 2000. We will go back to court every month if we have to. Mm-hmm. During this, the judge was like, is this worth it to you guys? I think they had spent like four grand at this point just on legal fees. And this case has been used in a lot of mm, church workbook stuff where it's like, you need to forgive people. And this is an example of not forgiving somebody. And it's kind of like, mm, you don't get to decide that he killed their daughter mm-hmm. is my opinion. Like, sure, maybe you would do it differently. But this is what these people wanted. They were just like, our mm-hmm. daughter is dead. We don't get to ever see her again. This isn't asking a whole lot. Right. So the judge gave Kevin 30 days in jail for failing to comply with the court order. There's a couple things that are different in different areas. So in the TV movie, Sam Rockwell is playing Kevin and it shows him sitting in jail. But I read something else that the judge suspended the sentence so that Kevin could appeal it and whatever. So I don't I don't know if he ever sat a month in jail for that, but he was given that sentence in response to being in contempt. Kevin never celebrated New Year's Eve ever again in his life. He became a Marine combat correspondent and he now lives in Arizona working as the Yuma County communications director. I looked up videos and stuff of him and he's an older guy now, obviously, because he was a teenager in 1993. But he was doing a lot of like the COVID updates for the news and shit like that. Like he was able to move on with his life. But from what it looks is he had to make those payments for 18 years. Mm -hmm. He's talked about it a lot since, you know, again, like I said, he's done a lot of speaking engagements and things like that. And one thing that stuck out to me is he said, quote, when you're young, you think nothing bad can happen to you. And even if it does, so what? You get over it. You move on. Let me tell you, it's not easy knowing that while you're alive, somebody else is dead. Mm. Mm. Shit. Yeah. So next time we have season five, episode 22, Painless. A woman was raped and traumatized, so she tries to get assisted suicide, and the person who helped her is in trouble. Mm. Mm. Kavorks. How Kavorks of you. Mm. Rate and review us. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. If you feel like sending us anything or even just want to write Gabe a letter... Or write me a letter, too, I guess. She just made a point of saying she likes handwritten letters. We're at P.O. Box 176 DeForest, Wisconsin, 53532. Check out our Instagram at SVUPod. Get pod merch and more at SVUPod.com. Yeah, join the Facebook group, SVUPod Elite Squad. It's so fucking funny and fun. And our chat group called Walk and Talk. Everybody's so supportive and nice. I know, um, I love it. Of each other, too. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Hashtag little bit loud for indie pods, finding them. Or if you are an indie pod, hashtag it so people can find you and join the Patreon. We got so much fucking extra content. It's bananas. Also, if you haven't re-listened to the last episode, um, we did put a new little blurb in the beginning of it because we were corrected on some stuff regarding our conversation of bisexuality. And we learn new shit because you guys are awesome. And if you want to hear us kind of dive into it, not crazy deep, but if you if you want the things hear, that yeah, we learned, if you want to hear us talk about the things that we learn yeah. and go into it a little bit more, you might want to check out the last episode uh, where our correction is needed. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to say thanks again for yeah. always like supporting us and educating us when you don't have to. Yeah, that's because it means yes. a lot to us to learn and grow and know that shit. And also, we don't want to put out.
false information. Mm. So that's it. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Is that plane inside your house? It's inside of my body. I can yes. hear it so hard. I just open my mouth and it's like, plane. And to our Lee Squad patrons, Sonia W., Marissa M., Elkie H., Annie G., Mary D., Andrew, Andrew, Rebecca D., Miranda B., Shelby W., Lex, Emily T., Kayla W., Mallory G., Bonita R., Marin, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P., Melanie G., Courtney W., Ursula S., Kate H., Uyanga, Uyanga, Kayla J., Catherine M., Kate P., Jessica S., Nicole M., Acacia V., Katarina G., Danielle W., Kelsey D., Jana M., Joshua H., Tammy J., Bayer, Crystal, Lucy M., Trisha S., Sam D., Mac Attack, Casey W., Abby W., Alexis J., Lauren T., Kaylin B., Camille Z., Nisha G., Maggie D., K. Allen, Katie M., Eliza W., Crystal B., Jessica P., Zan and J., Nada M., Sin, Christina D., Madison H., Emily, oh, I want to dance with somebody. I want to feel the heat with somebody. Sorry. Victoria. In my mind, I nailed that, and I think I just, like, busted eardrums. <laughs> With somebody who loves me. <laughs> so good together, dude. I know. We practiced like, that for an entire week. We did as hard opposite of harmonizing as you can. <laughs> What's um, the opposite of harmonizing? Just being bad. Turning on a garbage disposal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we at? Um, okay, Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, B. Amberly C, Sapphire. If we're having drinks, call me Sapphire. <laughs> if we're having drinks, call me Mary. Sapphire. <laughs> Monica K, Katie S, Trish S, Angela D, Brenna T, Andrea M, Natasha S, Andrea H, Miranda B, Al H, Nikki R. Sarah J, my aunt. Hi! Catalin. Catalin. <laughs> Jesus. Catalytic converter. Caitlin S. It's Catalina. Catalina wine mixer. It's, it's the Caitlin S. wine mixer. <laughs> Caitlin S., Emily D., and Katie H. We fucking love you and appreciate Thanks, you. Thanks, you guys. You are the best. The best. You're the best. The best. Uh, the best. The best. Okay, I gotta go. Danny's like, he's gotta pee really bad. I have to pee, actually. So, bye. Mm. So do I. Yeah, so... I should pay more. <laughs>